Greetings, everyone, and thanks for listening to Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. The Global Methodist Church launched on May 1st, 2022, and in just a few months, the denomination has seen an influx of churches and pastors join up, with many more on the way. New provisional annual conferences are being formed, new churches and missions are being launched, logistics for churches and pastors around pensions and insurance are being put together. There's a host of details that are coalescing during the early months of the new church. Reverend Keith Boyette is the Transitional Connectional Officer for the Global Methodist Church, and he's here to give us an update on what's happening with the GMC, how churches can become part of it, what's ahead as the denomination moves toward a convening conference in the future, and much, much more. Keith, welcome back to the show. Well, Bob, it's great to be with you today. And uh, again, I just have to thank you for such a labor of love over these past many months as you've done Holy Conversations. What a great blessing it is to me and so many in the church. So it's a joy to be with you today. Well, it's good to see you again. I know that you transitioned from being president of the Wesleyan Covenant Association to now being, I love the title, Transitional Connectional Officer for the Global Methodist Church. And you did that back in June. So I'm sure your life got so much easier. Your travel uh, backed off and uh, you've had just tons of vacation time since you've taken on this new role. Actually, the opposite is true. We were just talking about that offline. So how has the transition gone? What's life been like for you in these early months of the new church? Well, one would hope that uh, it would have gotten easier. And I suppose in some ways it has. Um, <clears throat> bifurcating the mission of the WCA and the mission of the Global Methodist Church and ensuring that the um, responsibilities are appropriately allocated has meant that instead of working two full-time jobs, I'm working one full-time job right now. Uh, and of course, you know, my mantra since 2017 is that I am trying to work myself out of a job. I think I have miserably failed at that <laughs> <laughs> because I worked myself right into another job. But uh, really, truly, I do believe this is the last leg of the journey, uh, this transitional period. And, um, you know, you're right. The title Transitional Connectional Officer um, is a mouthful, but um, essentially I'm the Chief Executive and Administrative Officer for the Global Methodist Church, which simply means that, you know, I'm trying to direct a whole lot of different elements in bringing a concept into reality. Uh, and, and so... These past four months, you know, I uh, we officially launched the Global Methodist Church on May the 1st. Uh, I went full-time with the Global Methodist Church on June 1st. Um, as I was mentioning to you, from the 4th of July to Labor Day, I was not home on any weekend. And so I have traveled everywhere. Some weekends I have spoken as many as five to seven times in the course of a weekend. And it's just been great to be out meeting with people close to where they are and sharing the mission and vision and ministry of the Global Methodist Church. It's been exhausting, but it's been exhilarating as well because there is a high level of enthusiasm and passion around what we're about. I was just thinking of the Johnny Cash song. I've been everywhere, man. That's where you've been. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's there's times I feel like, uh, you know, I ought to have an advanced team and a 
you know, it's like a political campaign uh, <laughs> because, I mean, a couple of weeks ago I was in Georgia and I, I drove uh, 600 miles in a, on a rental car in the course of two days and went from one end of the conference to the other end of the conference. So you really get to see a lot of places. And um, I'll tell you, we have a great nation and a lot of great churches um, that I've been exposed to. It's a joy to go to a, a church that, um, you know, really thought that they were forgotten by everybody. And, um, you know, you get to go and represent a, the larger uh, Global Methodist Church. And, you know, people come from all over the region. Um, I was in a church a couple of weeks ago. They didn't have air conditioning. It was sweltering hot. But the people asked questions for two hours after my 30-minute presentation. And I, I thought, man, this is investment. This is passion. And it was just so exciting. Well, you can see that even online in some of the various groups that are talking about this. And there are a lot of questions that are emerging as the new church forms. And again, like with the WCA, we're building the bridge while we walk on it to some degree. But give us an update. How many churches have joined the GMC at this point? How many do you think are in the pipeline to join in the next year? Well, um, of course, this journey has been very interesting. It's very different from what we'd anticipated. If the protocol had been adopted, we anticipated, you know, a huge uh, movement of churches almost at the same time. Even when we thought that annual conferences might be able to vote as a whole, we thought that there would be significant numbers of churches moving as a group. But as it's turned out, um, the first wave has been a, a relatively small number of churches. We know that from the number of churches that were actually approved for disaffiliation at annual conference sessions, which is a, a first step in this process, they're being approved. So uh, through last week, we had received about 60 churches that had completed the disaffiliation process uh, that had um, have officially aligned with the Global Methodist Church. Uh, now the annual special annual conferences are just starting. South Georgia was a couple weeks ago. Uh, um, we have 30 churches um, that are keyed up for approval this Monday when the uh, TLC, the Transitional Leadership Council meets. Um, and so that'll put us uh, very close to 100 churches and they're literally uh, anywhere between 800 and 1,000 churches that are in the pipeline moving by the end of the year. Um, one of the things that I think has been kind of interesting to me is that it is uh, churches are having to vote, invest so much energy in disaffiliation, the disaffiliation uh, consideration and vote and all of that, that um, a number of churches are really kind of taking this as a two-step process. They disaffiliate first, and then once they're disaffiliated, they make the alignment uh, choice. So for example, I think it was some 62 churches that disaffiliated um, from the North Georgia Conference after their June annual conference session. But um, those, a number of those churches are just now 
making their alignment decision. And uh, we have several of them in this Monday's package for approval. Um, so, uh, and the, the, those churches are, are it, it, not only here in the United States, but we've received churches from Bulgaria and the Philippines. And we have also received a couple of churches that were not United Methodist, but uh, are Wesleyan Arminian in their theological um, perspective and theologically aligned with the Global Methodist Church. So it's been exciting to see the diversity, I guess, of churches. And they're of every size, large membership, small membership, uh, mid middle size membership, or I should say attendance, which is what I really look at. Um, and they're spread throughout the country, those here in the United States, from um, the Midwest uh, to the you know Southeast to the South Central. Um, hey, we, we received uh, uh, an inquiry from the first uh, church in the Pacific Northwest earlier today. Uh, and so uh, you know you know how rare those churches are. <laughs> so that's kind of exciting. Yeah, it's it's a various various kinds of processes and we talked about this with Jay, you know, for conferences and how churches are getting out and a lot of churches here in the West are are making those decisions too and hopefully in the next year I will be able to do that. Now, as as churches join the Global Methodist Church, I've heard a little bit about um, kind of a transitional or provisional annual conferences. How are things being organized in this transitional period? Sure. Well, um, especially as churches, uh, as annual conferences have special sessions, and we are seeing um, a, a, a significant number of churches moving out in an annual conference session, we are looking to uh, have in place, ready to receive those churches, a provisional annual conference to be launched uh, on the effective date of disaffiliation. So for example, uh, in South Georgia, we already have a provisional annual conference stood up to receive those churches that have just been approved for disaffiliation. We are working um, uh, several of the Texas conferences will have special sessions uh, in November and December. So we have what we call transitional conference advisory teams that are doing the preliminary work of forming the provisional annual conferences that will be launched in those areas. And I mean, that's we have teams all over the country right now, Dakotas and Minnesota, those two areas have combined to uh, form a TCAT. Um, we have a TCAT working in West Ohio, East Ohio, and Western Pennsylvania. And, you know, so several in, in North Carolina, we have both the North Carolina and the Western North Carolina areas being looked at by a, a TCAT. And all of this is to form these provisional annual conferences that will receive these churches and clergy and begin operating as annual conferences in the new uh, Global Methodist Church until the convening general conference, which will probably do some refinement as we move through this and we actually see where churches are uh, to make sure that we've efficiently uh, deployed churches and various annual conference groups. When do you anticipate the United States? Obviously. Yeah. So, when do you anticipate a convening conference happening? 
Well, my standard line has been the fall of 2023 or the spring of 2024. I think increasingly it's looking more like the spring of 2024. Again, you heard what I said earlier. I want it to come sooner rather than later because I want to hand off uh, leadership of this to the next generation, so to speak. And um, but but realistically, given the the timeline for churches, both here in the U.S. but predominantly outside the U.S., uh, withdrawing from the United Methodist Church, I think um, the the spring of 2024 is more likely. When you think about the logistical arrangements that have to be put in place for such a conference, um, the um, uh, legislation that has to be prepared and distributed and all of that, uh, I really think a, a year run-up is probably going to be required to do it well and do it right. So in the next uh, weeks, the TLC will be uh, deciding on a location uh, for the Convening General Conference. That will be very exciting to announce. Uh, they'll be uh, deciding on a <clears throat> number of delegates and how those delegates will be distributed. Another very important decision. Um, and you can just see with all that goes into that, the kind of lead time you would need uh, for a convening general conference. So shifting gears a little bit, as churches are thinking about disaffiliation and and landing where they're going to land, what is the process? I know Angela Pleasance is working on this for the GMC staff. And, and just to clarify a couple things, there are people online who are saying like, well, where are the GMC offices located and have they secured a building? <laughs> yes. I think it's, I think it's classically Methodist in that you guys are always in the saddle, uh, so go. to speak and, um, and, and widely dispersed and distributed. So we're already living that, that no overhead place in the global Methodist church, I think. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and for me, this is living into our DNA. Um, you know, we are not going to be a bricks and mortar church. Um, you know, we we do not have a central headquarters that everybody works out of. Um, and you're right. So, you know, Angela is based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Walter is now based in Nashville, Tennessee, you know, and I'm here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Uh, and so, um, we're doing Zoom conferences all day. You know, we're out uh, on the road meeting people where they are. To me, that's the nature of the church that we're called to be. So as churches are thinking about joining the GMC, give us a brief overview of the process as it stands right now. Sure. Um, so it's very easy for churches Um at any point in this process, they can, as a congregation, adopt a motion that basically says that they will, they affirm, will adhere to, and will be held accountable to the transitional book of doctrines and discipline, and that it is their desire to be a member congregation of the Global Methodist Church. They send the minutes of that congregational meeting uh, to Angela Pleasance. Uh, Angela makes sure she has the relevant information about the congregation, and then she tees that up for a decision by the Transitional Leadership Council. I can tell you that there haven't been any churches that have 
gone through that process that the TLC has said, uh, no, we're not going to receive you. Um, that's not to say that a situation could not occur, but, but you know, these have all been churches that um, have, have really exerted an, a huge amount of effort in order to become GMC churches. Now, um, when we first began going through this, churches were typically waiting until after they had completed the withdrawal process from the United Methodist Church. But we're encouraging churches to go ahead and take that vote as a congregation uh, as soon as they've made a decision to begin the disaffiliation process. And we we don't we while we will approve the church's um, membership in the GMC, we make it effective as of the date of their withdrawal from the United Methodist Church. In this way, they know that they have already been approved as global Methodist congregations in advance of their withdrawing from the United Methodist Church. And that seems to really help congregations realizing that there's not uncertainty about their future. Um, so that's the process for churches. And, and I've gotten questions from pastors who are leaving the UMC, but their church isn't. And then on the other hand, churches that are joining the GMC, but their appointed pastor isn't. So is there currently a way to connect pastors and churches in this transitional period? Sure. I would say the overwhelming majority of churches that have come this far have come with their pastors. Um, but we have had a handful of churches where either the pastor retired at the time of the transition or the pastor was not theologically aligned with the congregation. And the uh, Angela <clears throat> has headed up this process. Um, we identify the, the needs of the congregation in terms of the qualities, uh, gifts, and abilities of a pastor that they're looking for. We um, make sure we understand the congregation and the ministry setting. And then we, we set about uh, identifying potential persons to be appointed there, having that conversation with the uh, pastor parish relationships uh, uh, committee of that church. And, um, and we make the appointment. In some instances, churches have come with us and say, say I already, I, I, we're aware of this pastor elsewhere in our conference who is available, and we would like that individual to be our pastor. And um, we've been able to accommodate that in a number of instances. In other, in other situations, we've turned to other key leaders in a region and gotten their recommendation. They know both the church and some of the pastors that are available. And we've gotten their recommendations and we've made um, an appointment. By we, I mean the Transitional Leadership Council. Now, once the um, provisional annual conferences are formed, um, that role will be entrusted to the provisional annual conference and the president pro tem of that conference um, during the transitional period prior to the election of bishops. That's helpful. I think that's a good word for people who are thinking through this and who want to know kind of where things are going to shake out with pastors and churches. I think that's going to be an ongoing process, though, too, as more churches come to the GMC and as more pastors make their decisions and 
there's going to be a lot of that uh, kind of matching that needs to take place. So that's helpful to know. Absolutely. And Bob, I would just mention that um, a question I get sometimes is I'm a UM pastor. I I want to um, align with the Global Methodist Church, become an ordained elder in the Global Methodist Church. I don't have a church that's coming with me. Um, is there a way for me to get in the pipeline for consideration for an appointment while I'm still a UM pastor before I become a GM church pastor? Because, you know, I don't have the financial luxury of leaving the UM church, leaving the church I'm serving and becoming a GM church pastor and then have to wait. And what I've, what we've told those individuals is yes, You can indicate your desire to become a GM church uh, pastor. Uh, We will actually take you through the approval process and indicate your approval pending the location of a church where you will serve. We'll obviously not, uh, we don't publicly announce that. We just inform the clergy person. And then when uh, when a deployment opportunity becomes available, they make the decision of, okay, now I want to activate that alignment with the Global Methodist Church. So that, again, helps people in the transition so that they're covered while they're in process. Of course, one of the other ways you can do that is by planting a church. Well, that is right. Yeah. And so GMC has partnered with the River Network to begin church planting. So what's the process for pastors or churches that want to be part of planting new ministries? Sure. At this time, what we have done is um, we've entered into this strategic alliance with the River Network. Um, When people express an interest, clergy or uh, laypersons, when they express an interest in a church plant, we refer them to the River Network. The River Network has an assessment process that is offered at no cost to those who have an interest. They They go through that assessment process. They have a a meeting with um, a member of the staff of the River Network. Um, and then, then they have the opportunity to enter into uh, some training and preparation. It really depends on what the context is. If it's a group of lay people that are eager to see a church planted in a community. For example, we've been working with a group of lay people from 10 churches in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And um, these lay people have identified that their 10 churches are unlikely to withdraw from the United Methodist Church, but they're all from different of these churches in the same general area. And they're interested in launching a GM, a global Methodist church in that area. So they don't have a clergy person yet. So we're helping them. Uh, form their uh, vision and and initial plan for how they would stand up a congregation. And we're helping them uh, to identify a a potential church planter to join them in this journey. So it varies depending upon the context. If it's a pastor who, you know, doesn't have a, a core group of lay people, we treat that differently, obviously, than this core group of lay people looking for a church planter. And I, I think there's a, a need for churches, even if you're planning to join the GMC as a church, 
to look around you and say, where are the other places nearby where we can help to resource some some church plants? Uh, because that's going to be really necessary. I'm thinking of specifically of places like here in the West where there are going to be vast regions where we're going to need church planting. And so churches that are coming with the GMC are going to need to think about how they're going to participate in that process. And I would really encourage people to contact Steve Cordell and the River Network. If you're even thinking about maybe you're not planting a church, but perhaps you will help to make that possible for someone else to get into that process. I started taking the assessment. It's pretty rigorous uh, to to do the uh, the initial assessment, but I think it's worth it. It really causes you to think a lot about your gifts and skills for ministry and and what the potential is in the place around you. So just want to add that in there because there are regions where this is going to be a major part of what we have to do in order to to have this movement grow. Absolutely. Uh, let me let me quickly mention two illustrations of this. One is a um, long existing congregation where the current membership is um, elderly, average age in their late seventies, early eighties. This congregation has become global Methodist, but they've decided their mission is to be a legacy congregation to plant a new congregation in their community, uh, a a fairly good sized Southern city where the other Methodist churches in that region are not gonna be leaving the United Methodist Church. And uh, so this has breathed new life into this congregation. They're excited about seeing what they have um, done over the years now be manifested in this new expression. And that's the spirit working. The other situation is a young um, clergy person that I met with in Houston, Texas, who said during seminary, God placed a specific call on his life to plant a new congregation in the Pacific Northwest. And um, he said, you know, I thought it was crazy. I didn't know who would stand with me. But now he's seeing a group of churches in his region come around him to deploy him uh, to the Pacific Northwest uh, for the purpose of planting a congregation up there. There's there, there's all kinds of ways that the Holy Spirit uh, can work if we just get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit work. <laughs> yeah, and be willing to hear the Spirit when it's when the Spirit's calling you to to plant or to encourage planting or something along those lines. I really think this is a, a key to our process and for the for the Global Methodist Church. So so check that out and we'll make sure we put that connection in the show notes so that you can uh, connect with uh, Steve and the River Network um, if you're thinking at all about planting or supervising planting of some nature. So shifting gears again, there are a lot of logistical questions and as pastors are thinking about transferring over questions about pensions and health insurance and other logistical issues certainly are arising. So where do things stand with the global Methodist church on those kinds of things, pensions, health insurance, and so forth? Sure. So um, we have uh, launched the covenant retirement plan. Uh, Information is available on the global Methodist church website. Uh, The pastors and churches that have already become members of the Global Methodist Church 
are enrolled in that plan. Their churches are already contributing retirement um, benefits uh, to that plan, which is a defined contribution plan. Uh, there's a, a beautiful uh, brochure flyer that Westpath has produced that uh, tells all the information about the uh, retirement plan of the of the Global Methodist Church. We also um, now have a life and disability insurance plan, which um, churches also can provide for their pastors. There's a flyer on that. This is all in the frequently asked questions section of our website, the Global Methodist Church website at globalmethodist.org. Um, our health insurance plan has been is is fully prepared and will launch on January first of of twenty twenty three. Um, the so uh, every church uh, will that's a full time appointment will enroll their pastor and potentially the pastor's family in in the health plan health insurance plan of the Global Methodist Church. Effective January 1st, uh, lay employees can also be included in that plan. Um, the Global Methodist Church is the plan sponsor for all of these plans, uh, and they're all administered by Westpath for us. Well, it's good to hear things are in place and rolling, and we'll put that in the show notes as well if you want to find those brochures and information and how that corresponds with United Methodist pensions and so forth. That's those are all Westpath questions that I think um, they're they're pretty good about answering. So that that's really helpful. Um, sure. If I could quickly just sure. say, uh, Bob, that um, you know I get I get two questions in this area. One is why Westpath? Um, you know, hey, they're United Methodist. Why are we using Westpath? Well, as as most of us know, Westpath began to position themselves to serve a broader uh, Wesleyan community uh, many years ago. They saw what was coming. Uh, they've, they've got uh, stellar reviews in the marketplace, I would say, as a highly reputable, highly efficient um, uh, organization that administers outstanding service to their clientele. And so we, we, we looked at what the options were, and that made the most sense for us uh, going forward. Um, the other thing is, I think people kind of take for granted that these things are going to be in place. Uh, they're important for all of us. I don't think that people really have any concept of what's involved in pulling all these things together uh, as part of launching a denomination. Uh, but we wouldn't be able to move forward, really, if we didn't have these options and services available to our churches and clergy. So it's it's a great um, thing that we have reached this point as early as we have in our denominational life to offer a full range of these kinds of products for our clergy and churches. So as you think ahead, and as you're in the midst of this every day, what are some of the other challenges you're facing? Well, I would say um, here are some of the challenges. One is we are a truly global church. And what it means to stand up a denomination here in the United States is different from what it is to stand up a denomination that is in other countries. So a significant part of my time is devoted to 
making sure that we have complied with governmental regulations around the world in countries that, you know, I know nothing <laughs> about their legal system. And so that is a challenge. And it and and yet there are literally, you know, thousands of pastors in churches that are eager to move to the Global Methodist Church that really can't do so until all of that is accomplished. And that has to be layered on top of everything that we're doing here in the United States right now. The second thing is, um, you know, we're both moving uh, to receive clergy and churches in this season and get them organized into provisional annual conferences. But at the same time, we don't wanna take our eyes off of our main focus, which is making disciples of Jesus Christ, you know, who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly. We can spend so much time dealing with the administrative aspects of this, which are absolutely essential, that we don't pay attention to the real purpose that we're doing all of this, which is introducing people to Jesus, helping them become his fully devoted followers, helping them grow in their their Christian lives of discipleship and helping them multiply uh, to make new believers, new disciples, new leaders, new churches, um, and, and making sure that the administrative doesn't squeeze out what is the main focus, you know, is a, is a daily um, task of intentionality. Um, it's not possible. None of this is possible without, you know, tremendous uh, work on the part of the Holy Spirit working through a whole host of people. And, and it's fueled by fervent prayer. You know, we have, um, we have just launched a, a global Methodist church prayer team. Um, uh, people will be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. Um, I don't believe we should undertake anything without it being um, offered up in prayer, uh, covered in prayer, uh, directed by the Holy Spirit as people, as intercessors uh, are, are before the Lord on these things. So those would be three of the challenges, ensuring that our focus, is, that our spiritual focus is right, ensuring that our, our focus on the mission of the church is right, and then just handling the administrative details of a really a, a fledgling organ, you know, movement that is is coming into existence. Um, you know, there's a lot of healing that needs to occur amongst leaders and churches. Um, there are probably a lot of patterns that need to be unlearned, <laughs> and healthy patterns learned in this. Um, and, and so just caring for one another in this time, making sure that we spend, all of us spend the time to truly listen to one another and value and care for one another in this time. What's next? What's the big next step that needs to take place? Mm. Well, um, I would say the next big step is the, the organization and deployment of these provisional annual conferences. 
um, you know, that's that really is the next iteration of the Global Methodist Church, going from a general church organization to a deployed movement that um, has has um, the the essence of who we are in it in a local way where people know they're working with leaders that they know. Um, and, and so a lot of our time is going to be focused on, on that. Uh, the next big step after that is our preparation, I believe, for the convening general conference. And of course, in the midst of this, we're doing church planting, we're rolling out um, intentional discipleship and all of that, all of which are huge. But in terms of milestones, I would say provisional annual conference and then um you know, doing the the convening general conference would be the next milestones I would look for. A lot of great things happening, and I really appreciate you giving us an update. Anything else you want to add before we wrap? Nope. Very grateful for so many people who uh, continue to speak into this. I'm humbled to have the opportunity to play the role that I have, and I am so grateful for people like you, Bob, who uh, have have done so much work to make this a reality today. So thank you to you and to so many of our listeners. And we want to thank you for listening to this edition of Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Westland Covenant Association. As always, you can send us your questions at podcast at wesleyancovenant.org. If you have uh, additional ideas and want to send them along to us, you can do it that way. And also follow us on Twitter at WCA pod. We'll put some of these items in the show notes. Thank you again, Keith, for joining us. And thank you for listening. We'll see you back here next time on Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. Mm-hmm.